Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Features Editor Thomas Cox. Pharmacy has been making national headlines throughout January as the sector cried out to administer more COVID vaccines. In the grip of its third lockdown, the public is desperate for the government to expand capacity as quickly as possible. Several pharmacy organisations have estimated that the sector could administer at least 1 million vaccines a week in England, but NHS England has only committed to commissioning 200 out of more than 11,000 pharmacies. What is the hold-up? To answer this question, I spoke with Simon Dukes, CEO of the Pharmaceutical Services Negotiating Committee. So Simon, you did very well to get on the front page of The Telegraph in a bid to get more pharmacies involved with COVID vaccinations earlier this month. And the hubbub around pharmacies kind of peaked at that time with the Prime Minister addressing pharmacy involvement in the vaccines programme, following appearances from yourself, among others, across national media. Do you think that there was enough of a clamour to get NHS England and Department of Health and Social Care listening and to get more pharmacies vaccinating than the 200 that they promised earlier in the year? It started because I think there was a feeling amongst community pharmacy contractors, certainly the ones that had contacted me and certainly on the PSNC committee, that community pharmacy was being overlooked and COVID-19 vaccine, of course, is not just the topic of the moment, but it's the only way that government and many others can see a way out of this health crisis and the ongoing cycle of lockdowns that we're seeing, especially in England. So I think Pearson C was becoming increasingly frustrated by the failure of NHS to see the value of community pharmacy in this space. And so we wanted to shout loudly, make noise, and let everyone know that pharmacy has a lot to offer at a time of national crisis for the country. That's how it started, and clearly the Daily Telegraph thought so, and therefore felt it worthy of their front page. And it did generate a lot of interest, not just in Telegraph and the Leader, but also in other print and broadcast media. It definitely seemed to have being kickstarted by that front page with The Telegraph. How did that come about? Did you go to The Telegraph or did did they come to you? Because it arrived at this perfect point when even the iron was hot, we'd just gone into lockdowns, there was an even greater call for more vaccine distribution and the Oxford vaccine had just been approved by the MHRA, which meant that more pharmacies would be able to store the vaccines. I think it was a bit of both, actually, if I'm honest, not just us saying to a number of media outlets that community pharmacy needs to be considered in this light, but also I think the realisation in the media that the Prime Minister had set an ambitious and has set an ambitious target for vaccinations by mid-February and Therefore, it really is all hands to the pumps. And therefore, you've got a a network of 11,400 pharmacies across England, each one pretty much containing a clinician who is able to provide vaccinations, potentially. So why aren't we using them? During the course of the interviews that I've done from that point 
onwards on this topic, both politicians and indeed media commentators have said words to the effect of, well, this is a no-brainer. Why aren't we using pharmacy? And I would have to agree with them. I feel that frustration has been shared by the majority of the community pharmacy sector. Absolutely. There still doesn't seem to have been any significant give, unfortunately. It, it has been in the media, NHS England and politicians have addressed that community pharmacy should have more of a role, but there haven't been any concrete figures or any promise that there will be many more than the 200 pharmacies. Do you foresee that more than 200 pharmacies will be able to be involved in distributing COVID vaccines in the, in the near future? Well, of course, we've been saying since the start that they should and they can. And we have, since that initial media coverage, we've seen a number of signs of progress, not just, as you say, Prime Minister expressing support for the sector and its ability to play a role, but we've had meetings with ministers and the NHS, and we at PSNC and the other pharmacy bodies who are are working up proposals as to how a wider programme might work. And we look forward to discussing that with officials in the in the coming days. And I think that the proposal, of course, is that far greater, you know, not hundreds, but thousands of community pharmacies should be involved in this work, as you would expect. But it really is, of course, up to discussions with the NHS and, and ultimately for them to decide. That would be terrific if thousands of pharmacies were involved. Do you have a, a figure in mind for how many pharmacies in England you'd like to see involved? I don't have a figure as such. All I'd say is that ultimately it's about whether the pharmacy themselves, not dissimilar to flu, you know, not every pharmacy, community pharmacy partakes in the, the national flu service every year. There is a question about the ability of the pharmacy being able to partake and indeed willingness to participate. But I think also is then about numbers, uh, logistics, and all of those things that are being worked through. So I can't give you a number, but clearly it's it's more than 200 and fewer than 11,400, which is not very helpful. But I think it should be thousands. I think that the public at large, I think politicians actually think it should be thousands because especially as we work through the cohorts that are eligible in the first phases for vaccinations, to be able to have those people vaccinated by walking to their local pharmacy. Yes, having made an appointment, perhaps, but nonetheless, walking the 20 minutes or so to their local community pharmacy has to be a good thing. Yeah, there would definitely be a good thing, not least to improve ease of access as most of the country is, is within shouting distance of, of a pharmacy. It seems at the moment, red tape is the, the greatest barrier for pharmacies with the initial criteria requiring that pharmacies signing up to deliver vaccines would have to be able to administer a thousand vaccines a week. And this has been compounded recently by the NHS saying that pharmacy would have to be able to deliver all approved vaccines. Do you think that this red tape could be reduced and pharmacies would be able to deliver just the Oxford vaccine, for example, which only requires fridges? As far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as the politicians are concerned, certainly the ones I've spoken to, these are 
in part self-imposed challenges and barriers. What we've said from the start, and I'm pretty sure that other pharmacy bodies would agree, is that I've said even before Christmas, before the Oxford vaccine was approved, look, don't worry too much about the Pfizer-BioNTech. It has complexities of handling that we all know about. It's not perhaps that suited to the vast, vast majority of community pharmacies being able to get involved in this. But there will be other vaccines that come along that will be less complex and will be more suited to our USP. And of course, we've got now the Oxford vaccine and we have other vaccines in the pipeline that will be similarly handleable. And therefore, why not just have pharmacy just giving currently the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine? And therefore, why have to limit it to the sort of mass vaccination programs that we've seen? We can do this in smaller numbers. Clearly, there will be a limit before it becomes just not viable. But I think that a lot of pharmacies, certainly those that get involved in the blue vaccination program, would be comfortable, able, uh, willing to participate in providing hundreds of vaccinations across the country. And as I said, when you've got the only way out of this, the only way that as a country, as a nation, that we're going to return to some semblance of normality is to get everyone vaccinated, then it seems counterintuitive not to bring in as many clinically able, qualified people who can wield a needle and vaccinate as many people as possible. It does seem balmy. What does NHS England say if you're able to share negotiations about the reasons why they want pharmacies to deliver a thousand vaccines a week and the Pfizer, Oxford and Moderna and these very stringent criteria? Why would they not simplify it? Is it just because it all seems designed for these massive football stadium style hubs rather than your local community pharmacy? Is it because they want to deliver on a mass scale? They have a plan. You'll have to ask them what their philosophy is behind that. I do have an understanding for the huge challenge they're facing. We want to help. This is not a criticism of the NHS. This is community pharmacy saying we can do more to help. So you'll have to ask them what their, their strategy is, taking the line that they've taken. I think the wider question about why are we not seeing community pharmacy being used in that first flush of vaccination activity quite so obviously is a, perhaps a more interesting question. You know, that I think it's part of the wider ongoing challenge that we as a sector face in trying to persuade officials. NHS, Department, Treasury, many really, to see pharmacies not just as part of the NHS family, which the pharmacies themselves see themselves as, but as a hugely valuable part of it. You know, when I go into community pharmacies, unfortunately, it's a while since I've done so as part of this role, as opposed to going into a pharmacy as a, as a patient. But one of the enjoyable parts of this job is to go around the country and visit 
frontline pharmacies. And when you go in there, you'll see the NHS logo on the front. You'll see people wearing perhaps NHS lanyards around their necks. And pharmacists and and the pharmacy teams regard themselves as part of that wider NHS family effort in working for the NHS, taking care of patients. And I think it is desperately sad that we are not viewed as a sector in the same way by the NHS as part of that NHS family. The next sort of level of that is then makes no sense for a government that is, let's be honest, beleaguered by COVID, uh, COVID response, both financially, arguably reputationally, not to be thinking of community pharmacy, a sector which the public, the politicians, the press regard so highly and they've got so much to offer to support an NHS that's under pressure. Yes, it doesn't quite make sense because they're not only using healthcare sites, they're not only using hospitals, they're also using sites like churches that have never seen any healthcare clinical action before. Thank you for supplying a uh, perhaps the most the, the most interesting question in an interview yourself about why this delay has happened. Do you think that is the crucial issue? Is it a kind of an image reputational issue of pharmacy that the NHS just doesn't see it as capable as it is? I don't think it's an issue of capability. I don't think it's an issue of professionalism. I think it's an issue that community pharmacy is not clearly, by virtue of the fact that we're talking about community pharmacy contractors, they are not NHS staff. They're not employed by the NHS, they're contractors. And I think that does mean that they're viewed perhaps differently. But what I'm trying to say is that regardless of employer, regardless of the way that where they are situated, how they work, every community pharmacy that I've been into sees itself as that part of that wider national health service. And I think that it does a disservice to every community pharmacy up and down the country that when they're not seen in that light, personally. Another possible factor as to why this issue has been going on for so long, from what I've seen that you've you've said in the news, is that there is a, a sluggishness in the lack of NHS preparations before the vaccines were approved. And this criticism by the NHS's speed has come up time and time again with different people in different areas about the NHS. Is it just that the NHS is being slow to react and isn't quite as agile as it should be in its COVID vaccine programme? We've known, haven't we, collectively as a society that there are a number of vaccines in the pipeline. Clearly Pfizer-BioNTech was first out of the blocks. We all know about the handling complexities of that. But equally, we've all known that the UK government has purchased in advance many millions of doses of other vaccines that are less complex to handle. And therefore, if community pharmacy had been vectored into initial planning, then 
pharmacies could have been preparing for this, for a vaccine rollout last year, actually, and been ready to hit the ground running. So I appreciate that you have to make a plan to roll out vaccines on such an enormous scale. But equally, no plan really survives first contact with the enemy. And you have to make sure that you are flexible and agile in order to ensure that you can deal with any changes that might arise, any challenges, new challenges that come up that perhaps you hadn't initially thought of. You know, our ambition is clear. It's it's for thousands of pharmacies to to be used to deliver the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. And that's logistically more suited to community settings. And I was very pleased to hear confirmation that government does see a role for pharmacies in administering that vaccine in the COVID-19 um, vaccine delivery plan. So I hope that we're in a positive place. Pharmacies have got a strong track record in vaccinations, millions of flu jabs done every season, despite being incredibly busy. This is the point. And I think, as I've said before, it's to their credits, the credit of pharmacy teams, uh, despite all the pressures they're under, the winter pressures, but also the financial and other operational pressures, that they are keen to do their duty and try and help the country out of this. Um, they're used to operating now in a COVID safe way. You know, why wouldn't you use community pharmacy? So it's a great network, formidable network across the country, and they can make a big difference to the challenge of meeting that ambitious vaccination target. You would hope that the government would recognise how enthusiastic and capable pharmacy is through its attitude towards vaccines. Do you think that pharmacy's role in the pandemic so far will help to sway DH and NHC opinion on the sector? And might it positively impact funding negotiations in general? Well, time will tell. I hope that certainly the consequence will be that as a sector, community pharmacy is not perhaps snubbed in the way it has been in the past or overlooked perhaps as a is a better way of putting it. We know, as I said, how much pharmacies, how much value pharmacies offer and how much patients and their local communities rely on them. So the praise and the thanks and the warm words and everything that we get from the public, from the politicians, that's fantastic. And community pharmacies up and down the country deserve every single aspect, every single ounce of that, what I want is to see that turned into tangible financial support for pharmacies. Because I think if it's not, the sector quite rightly will say, well, what more could we possibly do? We have done everything that we have been asked to do, over and above, in fact. Community pharmacy staff, frontline, putting themselves in danger, putting their families in danger with this terrible disease and working to help the NHS, to help the country. If that is not recognised by officials, by the Treasury, by politicians, 
then I think that quite rightly community pharmacy up and down the country will look at themselves in utter shock and not understand, as I wouldn't, as to what more they could possibly do to justify themselves as being at absolutely the centre of community healthcare in this country. Yes, the words of people in, such as Boris and Matt Hancock definitely need to lead to some action for the sector to feel that it's been fully recognised in its crucial role in, in, in the pandemic. Yes, and to be held responsible if that is not reflected in the way that we view, they view, uh, and the NHS views community pharmacy going forward. The sector will doubtless continue to have a role in the coming months and months and years as we deal with the continued fallout from COVID-19. Yeah, it needs to be sustained to enable it to continue to be a tour de force in primary care across the country. You mentioned you wanted to see some more tangible financial support. Do you have any exact points on what financial support you'd like to see? We've said publicly that there are two key things that we need agreement on. The first is on the, the advance of £370 million, which the sector received as a loan initially in March, April, May last year to help the sector over what was a looming cash flow crisis, but also to then help with COVID-related costs. And what we have said here as PSNC, as a result of the data that we've collected from the community pharmacy sector, thank you in advance. Again, if you were one of those people and one of those organisations that provided us with the data, and not just in terms of costs, but also ongoing collection of data in our pharmacy audit. But that data has helped us to show that effectively the £370 million that was received by the sector early in the year, last year, has been spent effectively or will be certainly spent by the end of this financial year. So what we need is for Treasury to recognise that and for that to be written off against those costs. Costs that have been accrued in doing the NHS's business and therefore need to be accounted for. And then the second is about year three, four, five of the contractual framework, the five-year deal. Year three starts on the 1st of April. What we've baked into that contractual framework deal is, of course, an annual review. Well, in lieu of an annual review for this year, we've put forward, again, a bid based on tangible evidence, data supplied by the sector to say the chronic underfunding that this sector has had since 2016 needs to be addressed. We lost 200 pharmacies in the last 12 months or so, closed their doors for good. How can that be right in a pandemic? How can that be right at any point, but particularly so in a pandemic? So we need to have sustainable funding to the core 
sum in order to allow community pharmacies not just to, to sort of stem the flow of, of money that they're losing on a daily, weekly basis at the minute and shoring up their businesses, many through unsustainable funding tactics, but to then invest in their businesses in order to do all the things that the NHS wants us to do, not just as part of that five-year contractual framework, but also in support of the 10-year plan. And many things that may well come out of this COVID pandemic, where I believe community pharmacies are incredibly well-placed to help, whether it's in dealing with health inequalities, whether it's looking more at prevention. Remember Matt Hancock in January last year talking about the 2020s being a decade of prevention. Prevention is absolutely at the heart of what community pharmacy can do, as well as other perhaps COVID-related aspects, helping with whatever long COVID is, obesity management, all the things that we might find in due course that are are connected to COVID-19. So I do think that in order to do all those things, to support the NHS, to work closely with GPs, to ensure that the, the existing services, the consultation service, the new discharge medicine service, as well as all those things that are already baked into the, into the framework, the hypertension management service and the pilots and the like, that all needs funding and an uplift to core funding in order for it to be conducted. And so in answer, a long answer to your question, I apologise, but they are the two key areas that I hope as a result of the performance of community pharmacy over the past few months, decision makers will see how valuable community pharmacy has been and will make the decision, the right decision to invest in community pharmacy as a result. Yes, let's hope so. The original five-year funding settlement was, of course, Romania at its then reduced level of 2.592 billion per year for five years. Are you saying that you would like to see this increase to recognise the cost that community pharmacy has incurred from the pandemic, among other things? The reason why it was agreed eventually by the committee after a very difficult negotiation was that over the annual review process that was built in so that not just the services that were being performed, but also the costs of performing those services could be reviewed. Yes, from the department's side and the NHS side, looking at ensuring that the, the taxpayer still got value for money which is right and proper, they have to ensure that is the case. But from our side to say, well, the increasing amount of services and activities that you need for the money that you're paying either will or will not take place. It isn't perhaps sustainable to continue at 2.592 in order to conduct those services. And I think that with rising costs, inflation, business costs, etc. It was inevitable that we were going to come back and say, well, that's not, those services cannot be conducted at that core funding rate. 
moreover the efficiencies that were baked into the contractual framework through automation have not and will not provide the capacity for community pharmacies to to deliver on these services either so on that basis you need to uplift core funding yes that would be a great result is psnc in negotiations now with the dh about the possibility of increasing the funding we've put in two bids for both for related to costs and relating to uplifted core funding uh, we are waiting to hear on either of them we haven't heard back okay brilliant and the five-year funding settlements saw a shift away from dispensing towards services does the pearson's remit with funding cover commissioning any new services such as covid swab tests for example and also obviously the covid vaccine well we haven't started discussing year three yet so only when we get a response to our bid which our bid was saying you need to uplift core funding in order for us to discuss year three or at least to help us then to have a discussion on year three but we haven't yet started that discussion and with the shift from services towards dispensing as i'm sure you're aware many many pharmacies say they've been losing or have lost thousands of pounds a month from dispensing as lost during the crisis. Could this form part of the pitch to, to DH for, for more funding? And what was it? Was it in the initial proposal to them? Are you talking about costs and the costs incurred, including clearly lost revenue as a result of COVID? Or are you talking about the future, year three, four and five of the contractual framework? Well, both really. I mean, I think contractors would like to see reimbursement for the cost that they've incurred. But more broadly, it would be better to see medicines reimbursement system fixed that so they wouldn't lose money on a month-by-month basis and just hope to see it return in concessionary prices. In terms of the bid for costs, clearly that includes a bid which also, on the data that we've been given, gives a figure for lost income not just the conditions that community pharmacy were and have been put under but also because of the other activities that they have been asked to required to undertake so that will be that is included in that bid thank you a complicated question you mentioned earlier that pearson c estimated that there have there have been around 200 closures in the year up until October 2020. Do you think it's possible that closures would continue at this rate, which is much greater than we've seen in in previous years, if the funding isn't addressed? If funding is not addressed, then I think it's inevitable. I mean, certainly we know that the, the multiples have, a number of them closed some of their pharmacies and We know that a number of the smaller pharmacies are only continuing to be in business because they are either not taking much of anything of of an income, of a salary from their businesses, or they are using any savings, pensions, whatever, and putting that into their business to keep going. And that's 
clearly not sustainable and it's appalling that a key part of healthcare for this country is having to be run on that basis. So if we get a negative response to our bids, then a number of community pharmacies will have to close their doors and perhaps a number of community pharmacies will decide they've had enough. And, you know, on that basis, I wouldn't blame them. And that is not what we want, of course, but it can't be for the benefit of patients. Patients will suffer with every community pharmacy that closes its doors. We know how well patients regard their local pharmacy. So inevitably, we will see more closures if we don't get settlement to the current funding situation and cost situation. Simon Dukes. If you'd like to help more community pharmacies in England involved in the COVID-19 vaccine programme, add your voice to over 4,000 others by signing CND's petition on change.org, a link which can be found via the CND website. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to other podcasts on your preferred app or on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.